Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Comerica Park, Detroit. It's the Tigers 8, the Guardians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And, well, yes, it happened. Is this rock bottom? No, it's not rock bottom. I mean, we're back to 500 on the season at 40 and 40. We get swept by the Detroit Tigers in a four-game series in their ballpark. Man, what a what a we lost all the mojo. All the mojo from that 7 and 2 road trip, right? We come home have a terrible homestand and now we're stuck on the road and having a terrible road trip, getting swept by the Detroit Tigers. This is not a good offense. This is a terrible offense in Detroit. You look at their lineup yesterday. Yes, Miguel Cabrera is somehow hitting 308 on the season. A resurgence for Miguel Cabrera. Doing it with bloops and dunks and dives and the occasional home run to right field. They got two other guys on their team hitting 260-ish. Castro and Riley Green. The next highest guy is Barnhart at 219. I mean... Javi Baez, the guy they paid all this money for, is hitting 211 with a 605 OPS. I think a lot of people around baseball could have told you that signing Javi Baez for that much money was not going to work out like you thought it was going to work out. You weren't getting, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018 Javi Baez. You, you were getting the 2020s Javi Baez. And it's not, he chases a lot of pitches. My God. So this is a terrible offense, and yet they're throwing up double-digit hits in multiple games. They got up to nine hits. They finally held them under ten hits in a game in this series. Eight runs on nine hits for the Detroit Tigers. <sighs> we were looking at their BAPIP numbers throughout the series, right? Well, the BAPIP stays high for the Detroit Tigers. 333 BAPIP, uh, 250 BAPIP for your Cleveland Guardians. So the entire series, they stay over a 300 bat bit. Just hammered our pitching the entire series. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines of the game. And the top storyline, I know there was some scoring that happened before the fifth inning. But the top storyline for me has to be the fifth inning. Because that's really where the game pivots. The Guardians actually tie this game up. They do a good job. They tie the game up at 2-2 in the top of the fifth inning. This thing was still a baseball game. Clement with a nice single in the right field. I know you don't want to give Clement credit, but he did get a single here. Uh, does end up coming in to score. Sandy Leone with a single. I know you don't want to give Sandy... So look, Sandy Leone has had two hits since he's joined us, right? It hasn't been pretty. Uh, the other thing is Sandy Leone absolutely cannot control the running game. They stole on him like crazy, especially in that second inning leading to two, the two runs that were trying to tie the game up right here. So, Leon singles. That brings up Miles Straw. Looks like he's going to bunt in the first at-bat. First pitch, pulls it back. Does not show bunt in the second pitch. Instead, he's swinging away, and he grounds it up the middle. Javi Baez thought about trying to turn a triple play. That's how quickly the ball got on him. Instead, he's like, no, that's, that's ridiculous. So, he tags second base, throws out Straw at first, a double play. You think the rally is dead. They just went with two runners on, nobody out. Now there's a runner on third, two outs. You think the rally's dead. Steven Kwan comes up, and you want to talk about getting on top of a ball. 
You want to talk about the ability to get on top of the ball? This is exactly, this at-bat from Stephen Kwan right here is exactly what they're talking about. He gets a ball. I'm telling you, this thing is up in his armpits. I'm telling you, this thing is way up there. And uh, he gets on top of this thing. And, uh, yeah, it's up near his shoulders. And he lines it down the left field line for a two for a, a one-run double. Uh, he hits it 83.7 miles per hour. So you don't got to hit it hard. You just got to put it in the right spot. And down the left field line was absolutely the right spot. The fact that Quan got up there, he hits this thing. Oh, they don't have the launch angle? How do they not have the launch angle on this? That's part of the fun. He goes up against a pitch that high and uh, ends up, I can't believe they don't have the launch angle on this. StatCast doesn't, didn't record it. But basically, he shoots it down the left field line, a grounder down the left field line. It's pretty fun stuff. And it brings in Clement to score, and it ties the game. Okay, you're supporting Shane Bieber. You just tied up the game. So what happens in the, uh, top of the, fi- in the bottom of the fifth inning? Bieber ends up in the dead middle of the plate to two guys that drive in RBIs. So he starts the inning off by giving up a single to Torkelson. Torkelson gets one, uh, you know, a pitch that was down, but he's able to shoot it for a single. Uh, hits it in the right spot. Those bat bip gods, that's what I'm talking about when it comes to bat bip. Uh, you know, Torkelson only hits this one at 81.1 miles per hour, but if you hit it in the right spot, it's going to be a single. Um, so he gets one out in the left field to Palacios. A 21-degree launch angle, too. It's just a nice, easy swing out in the left field. Then he walks Tucker Barnhart. Ooh, he walks Barnhart. That brings up Riley Green. He would strike out Riley Green. He was going back and forth, Bieber, between locating the curveball and fighting with the curveball. When you go over to his illustrator, the curveball is in one of two spots. It's either way up and out to the arm side, or it's way down to the glove side. There's no, he was not using four quadrants with his curveball. There were two locations for it. He was either missing up and away, and they actually put a few in the strike zone there. Um, he was missing up with it, or he was burying it for a strikeout. Uh, he got a lot of strikeouts on the slider and the curveball down, burying it uh, to his glove side. So he gets the strikeout here of a very hot hitter in Riley Green. So you think, okay, maybe Bieber's going to get out of it. He does this all the time. He gets himself into trouble in the fifth and the sixth inning, ends up loading the bases, and then strikes a bunch of guys out. That's always his weapon. He can strike guys out. Not Javi Baez this time. Not Javi Baez. This time, he ends up giving him up a single. What was the count on this Baez single? Uh, Let's see. Where was the uh, strikeout to Riley Green? It was three pitches to Riley Green. It was a slider at the knees for a called strike. It was a curveball, that up-and-away curveball I talked about. He got a few on the plate. He gets a called strike on this one, and then he buries the knuckle curve for the strikeout, the swinging strikeout. That's a nasty job to Riley Green right there. Javi Baez, first pitch swinging. Throws him a first pitch fastball, 92.4 miles per hour. This would probably be fine if it were at the top of the zone or buried inside or on the outside edge. Instead, I'm telling you this thing is right down the pipe. Right down the pipe. And even Bieber cannot make mistakes like this right down the middle with guys on base. They end up coming in to score. 
it drives in uh, Torkelson to score. Barnhart uh, stops at second base. Uh, they kind of, man, they really throw the ball around the infield a lot in this inning. Uh, you'll see in two batters later, Quan tries to make some throws to home. Uh, he doesn't throw home on this one. I think he does holds up on this one. The next one, Miguel Cabrera. So after Grossman grounds out, which moves the runners up, there's now two outs, but runners on second and third. Miguel Cabrera comes up, and guess where Miguel Cabrera gets one? It takes him three pitches. He throws him three sliders, misses with one in the dirt, misses with one ooh, right at the top of the zone. That was oh, so close. Probably could have been called a strike, but it's 2-0. and oh. Throws him another slider right down the middle, and Cabrera does not mess around. Shoots at 102.7 miles per hour into right field. Uh, Barnhart comes in to score. Baez rounds th- third. He's coming in to score. Quan comes up throwing. Fires a good one hop right there for Leon to make the tag. And Leon just can't handle the one hop. It scoots past him. He would have been out. Baez absolutely would have been a dead duck at the plate. Quan makes a great throw here. And look. I know I talk about old man softball a lot, but there's some things that are universal, whether you are playing t-ball or little league or travel baseball in high school or old man softball or in double A or in college or in the major leagues. There are some things that are universal. And when you make a great throw from the outfield and your catcher can't handle the one hop and it scoots past him and that guy would have been a dead duck at the plate. God, that is infuriating. I don't tell me, I don't care. It doesn't matter what level of baseball you're playing. If you make that perfect throw, oh, there's nothing more frustrating than watching it scoop past your catcher when you know the guy would have been out. And uh, Baez would have been out. He absolutely would have been if Leon could have handled this one hop. It was a tough play, but I mean, you're a major league catcher. Ah, we expect you to get that and drop that tag on him. So Cabrera goes up to second on the uh, what they're considering a throwing error by Quan, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. It was a great throw. So, yeah, Bieber uh, gives it up, instantly gives it up. Uh, we had just tied the game, and he gives up three runs in the bottom of the fifth inning. In fact, both times the Guardians have scored on the day, the Tigers immediately come back and score a crooked number. That hurts. In the second inning, that's exactly what happens. Yes, Fermil Reyes gets a solo home run. Yes, it's great to see Fermil Reyes hitting solo home runs. I would love for that to be crooked numbers, a crooked number home run. But hey, he's hitting home runs. So we score in that second, and then Tigers put up two in the bottom of the second. And it's Leon not being able to control the running game. Uh, they get two stolen bases on him that inning. Scope ends up stealing a base in that inning. And then uh, Clemens... Uh, the rookie third base, uh, rookie third baseman for him, second base, third baseman for them. Uh, he steals uh, once he gets on base, and they both end up coming in to score. So right away, the Guardian score, boom! The Tigers come back, put up a crooked number. That is not a recipe for success. As the ace of the staff, as the starting pitcher, your job is to go out there and put up a zero, especially after your team had just scored. Right, how demoralizing is that? You just took the lead one nothing on a nice solo home run from your power hitter who maybe is finding it again, and then you immediately give it up. All right, what else happened in this game? Well, uh, Karen Check came in, 
and absolutely got destroyed. Uh, he's been terrible since coming back. Uh, he uh, he gets beat up in the uh, in the seventh inning. First three batters. I mean, this is this is the bad classic Karen check. Walks the leadoff hitter Javi Baez, then throws another fastball basically down the middle, a little bit up, but down the middle. And Grossman smokes at 103.5 miles per hour into that triples alley in right center field. So, of course, he ends up with a triple, brings one run into score. And then Miguel Cabrera not messing around. He lines one out there at 99.5 miles per hour. Straw is able to run it down, but it's a sack fly that brings in Robbie Grossman. So three batters in, and Karinczak's already given up two runs. He gets the last two outs, but he's already given up two runs on the inning in the first three batters, and the game was out of hand at that point. It was absolutely out of hand. They bring Classe in to get a little bit of work in the eighth, and Classe gives up a solo home run to Cody Clements. That's how you know things are really going bad. Classe never gives up home runs. He's got Clemens in an 0-2 count here. He's got Clemens in an 0-2 count and ends up dropping. This is the leadoff hitter of the inning. Ends up throwing him a spinning slider right at the belt, just below the belt. This thing definitely was supposed to be below the knees. He did not want this slider middle of the plate like this. It was slightly in on uh, Clemens, slightly below the belt. Uh, that lowered just at the top corner of that lower right quadrant. And he absolutely smokes it. 102.5 mile per hour exit velocity. 377. Only at a 280 expected batting average. I guess he got under this one a little bit at 39 degree launch angle. But it goes out to right field for a home run. That ball was definitely supposed to be buried below the knees. I don't think... Classe wanted to leave that right there. So something that never happens, Classe giving up home runs, even that happens on this day to Cody Clements. So, I mean, that's that's kind of your storylines of this game. I mean, once again, the Tigers have a great day offensively. Everybody except Willie Castro has a hit in the Tigers lineup. Everybody contributes in a way. Uh, they, like I said, Riley Green did have a quiet day. He did have a hit, a single, but he struck out twice. Uh, Baez scores twice and drives in a run. Grossman scores and drives in a run. Cabrera drives in three runs on the day. Scope gets a hit and scores a run. Uh, Cody Clemens with two RBIs and two runs scored on the day. The number seven hitter. And uh, even Barnhart in the nine hole. A hit in two walks. He has an RBI. And a run. Meanwhile, over on the Guardian side, it is ugly. It is it is some pretty ugly stuff. Yeah, a couple of guys got base hits, but there were a lot of zeros, especially from Ahmed Rosario and Jose Ramirez. When Quan gets on base three times in this game, including a double and an RBI, and then Ahmed Rosario and Jose Ramirez just put up zeros behind him. They weren't even striking out that much. One strikeout in eight at-bats between them from Ahmed Rosario, but uh, they, yeah, they just weren't hitting the ball hard. They just weren't having any luck. Uh, 0 for 8 from your 2 and 3 hitters. So it doesn't matter that Fermil Reyes has a solo home run behind them. It doesn't matter that Owen Miller actually went 2 for 4 on the day with two singles. Uh, yeah, Ahmed Rosario and Jose Ramirez. Looking at the top four guys in the lineup and just what they did in this series, Ahmed Rosario had a terrible series against Detroit. He does not have a hit in the four games. 
Not a single hit in the four games. I believe, let me find the walk column here. I believe he has one walk in this entire series. So that's it. That's all he's doing to get on base. One walk in four games, no hits. That's a rough series for Ahmed Rosario. Uh, Ahmed Rosario for the month of July is hitting 125 with a 491 OPS. Ooh, that's a rough start to this month. Jose Ramirez, it's not much better. He does have two hits in the series. Uh, the one bloop double he had two days ago. But it's a pretty rough month of July for him. He's hitting 143 this month with a 455 OPS. Now, this is a small sample size, right? You got the Yankee series and the Tiger series. But it's a small sample size. Quan finally gets on base in this series. He had been struggling to get on base all series. Uh, in fact, he doesn't walk until this game. This entire month, he has not recorded a walk until this game. That's not the Stephen Kwan we know. Uh, so he does have two hits and a walk. He finally has a good game here uh, in the finale. But he's hitting 192 with a 481 OPS. So that's the top three hitters in your lineup for uh, seven games straight have been giving you basically nothing. For Mio Reyes, on the other hand, has finally turned things around in the month of July. He's got three homers now on the month, plus two doubles. He's hitting 259 this month with a 917 OPS. And that would probably look a lot better if the three guys ahead of him in the lineup were actually getting on base. So yeah, for Mio Reyes, I mean, it was a god-awful April. A 135 batting average in April with a 385 OPS. Uh, May, he uh, looks a little better. It's a 271 batting average with a 709 OPS, but still only one home run. Uh, he uh, In June, obviously, he goes through the injury there, so he loses a lot of June. Uh, it's a 241 batting average with a 738 OPS, but now that slugging percentage is up there, a 667 slugging, and now for the month of July, that OPS looks a little better at 917. So that's what's going on with the top four hitters in your lineup right now. Oh, God. I I don't know what they need. They need, you know, everyone's like, oh, boy, an off day. They really need this off day. They need more than an off day. They need someone to stand up on a chair in that clubhouse and make a speech. I, I don't know. They need a cardboard cutout of the owner where they could peel, uh, you know, clothing off of them, like in the movie Major League. They need something uh, to spark this team. They need something to get their mojo back. Maybe it is a series against the Kansas City Royals. Maybe that will bring their mojo back, uh, going down there to that huge ballpark and being able to hit some doubles into that outfield. It feels like the extra base hits have just been missing. I don't know what this team needs. Maybe it's the all-star break they need. Maybe they need to go home for three or four days and just relax. Uh, but this team needs something. They need a spark. They need maybe some fresh talent from AAA to infuse some life into this lineup. The Columbus Clippers probably have the hottest base, hottest team, the hottest offense in the entire system. I mean, they're crushing the ball down there. So maybe that's what it's going to take. Maybe it's going to take giving Clement back to AAA. You know, he has options. Maybe it's time to option Clement back down. Maybe it's time to get some fresh blood at catcher, someone who can actually handle the position and control the running game and catch a throw from the outfield. Maybe it's time to bring up another left-handed outfielder who can infuse a little bit of life into this lineup. 
So we'll see. They they got to do something to spark this team. It's not just going to be an off day. And watch, maybe it is going to be the off day, and they just unload on Kansas City. They unload all their frustrations on Kansas City. Uh, we got a day off, so that means no podcast. Savali is going to kick things off against Kansas City on Friday night. Saturday afternoon, it's going to be Tristan McKenzie. And then Sunday, it's going to be Plesak uh, in the finale. Uh, and then, after Kansas City, we got a homestand. There's still plenty more baseball to go. We got a four-game set against the White Sox with a doubleheader in there, and then a four-game set against Detroit at home. So it's gonna we're going to keep rolling against the American League Central here through the All-Star break. There's still a lot of baseball games to go. You got 11 games to go before the All-Star break. Now, you're 40 and 40. Frankly, at the beginning of the season, if I told you the Guardians were around 500 at the All-Star break, you probably would have took it. You know, the way this team was projected, oh, they're in a rebuild. Oh, Chicago is going to run away with this division. You know, you probably would have took being around 500. With 11 games in the division before the All-Star break, there's still time. As bad as it was to get beat up by the Yankees, to get swept by the Tigers, as bad as that hurts, there is absolutely still time to get some good vibes going before the All-Star break. If you can come out of this 11-game set against the American League Central above 500, you're going to be feeling okay. If you're three or four games above 500, if you're still holding on to second place in the division, you're going to be feeling okay going into the All-Star break. <sighs> I, I can't believe... Those of you who are not on Twitter, the only reason I'm on Twitter... I hate it. It's terrible. The only reason I'm on Twitter... Is because I, I thought it would be an avenue to promote the podcast, right? Connect with some Guardians fans out there, promote the podcast, maybe get into some good conversations about baseball. You don't really get into many good conversations. It's more about leaving snarky comments and fun, funny gifts. I, I mean, that's basically what Twitter is about. Um, you could get you could get a tweet out there that gets you know a bunch of likes and it still doesn't matter nobody's gonna follow you nobody it's nobody's clicking on the links for the podcast it, it doesn't really work but what I do see on there is people just freaking out and losing their mind and tweeting things like I didn't sleep last night because the Guardians lost and and oh my god I'm I can't believe this series I'm done with this team like the most melodramatic over-the-top reactions I've ever seen, and that's just not how baseball works. Yes, I was pissed off yesterday, and yes, I went on a big rant yesterday about uh, flipping some guys in this lineup and answering questions on this team, but that was more about an analysis of where this team was at than losing my mind over getting swept by the Detroit Tigers. Yes, it's dumb. It sucks to get swept by the Detroit Tigers, but you know what? Friday, I'm going to turn the game on, and I'm going to have a pretty good feeling that we could beat the Kansas City Royals. That's how baseball, that's how 162 games is supposed to work. If you lost four in a row in the NFL or in college football, your season would pretty much be tanked. Yes, you could then do woe is me tweets, the season's over tweets, if you were to lose four in a row in football. If you were to lose four in a row in basketball, yeah, it'd be a bad stretch. It'd be a pretty bad stretch. But you could probably bounce back from it. It's a drop of sand in the bucket when it comes to the Major League season in 162 games. That's the point of 162. It is a grind with peaks 
and valleys. And getting swept by the Detroit Tigers is a valley. But guess what? There are peaks ahead. The Jose Ramirez is going to go off again. You're, you're going to be excited again. There will be new talent on this team. I'm telling you, this team that you just saw face the Detroit Tigers is not what this team is going to look like, like by the end of the month of July. I'm telling you, there is going to be things that happen. Whether it's minor league guys or trades, this they are going to. Antonetti and Chernoff are not known for just sitting still and letting a team be. They tinker. They do. Off-season, middle of the season, they tinker. Now, it might be... It might not be moves that you like. I mean, that's more off-season stuff. Usually in the middle of the season at the trade deadline, when they tinker, it's good. Yeah, and they sign a bunch of lame outfielders right in the off-season and uh, try to piece together an outfield. And yeah, they make some pretty lame moves sometimes in the off-season. But usually at the trade deadline, they're making some pretty nasty moves. Some pretty, pretty savvy moves. And uh, they fleeced more than one team. At the trade deadline. So we'll see what happens. This team at the end of the month. Will not be the team that just faced the Tigers. In some way. Some shape or form. If Karinczak keeps going this way. He's going to be right down. Back down to the minor leagues. I can tell you that much. It does not look good from James Karinczak. In his brief appearance back with the Guardians. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Hang in there. Hang in there. Especially those of you on Twitter. That are losing your mind. Hang in there. There will be brighter days ahead. It's a long season. There's a lot more baseball to go. All right. That's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Uh, MVP on the day. I know I've been, like, skipping it a lot lately because we've been getting our butts kicked. I'll give it to Quan on the day. He's on base three times, which is nice to see him bounce back, get on base three times in a game. That's huge from the leadoff spot. Plus, I mean, just getting on top of that ball was a fun swing. Frankly, the MVPs have all been on the Tigers' side. They've just been, they demolished us this series. And frankly, most of the MVPs in the games have been coming from them. I mean, Cody Clemens has a really good game. Uh, They're young third baseman. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Again, the final is the Tigers 8, the Guardians 2. You can follow me on Twitter. I'll try to be uplifting. I'll try to be funny on there. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Let me know how you would shake things up here in the month of July. How are you shaking up this roster? Are you going out and making trades? Are you calling up guys from AAA? What would you do, morning people? Cleveland Baseball Mornings at, gmail. at gmail.com. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.